What do the world's longest living organisms have in common? What causes aging in humans? How can you promote your lifespan as well as your health span to live a healthier, happier and more fulfilling life? Hey, my name is Steve and in this video, I'm going to walk you through the first lecture of my Metabolic Autophagy Masterclass video course. We're going to cover the longevity code and we're going to talk about the longevity pathways in humans and how can you promote healthy aging and how can you slow down the aging process as well. If you want to join the Metabolic Autophagy Masterclass, then check out the link in the description. But other than that, let's get to it. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. So in the first lecture, we're going to be going through the hallmarks of aging, what are they are, we'll find out, you know, the mitochondrial theory of aging, that's one of the most, one of the most uh, used theories for describing aging, then we're going to be going through the longevity pathways in humans, uh, specifically like insulin, IGF-1 pathway and longevity, then we'll also kind of go through why is caloric restriction and longevity correlated with each other, and how does it happen and how can we kind of biohack it in a sense of we don't necessarily have to be starving all the time and uh, next we'll also go through this idea of stress adaptation and hormesis which is you know another critical component to living longer and uh, being more self-sustainable and lastly we'll also touch upon uh, telomeres and longevity so what are, what are telomeres and how can they help us to live longer and be healthier I want to t touch upon this idea of immortality like the the goal of this of this video course isn't to reach immortality or such or even it's the goal isn't to even like live over 100 years old although you know it's quite possible that it may happen in my opinion uh, but the, the goal is to still you know promote our health span and you know kind of the byproduct of that is going to be living longer a lot of a lot of your lifespan is determined by our genetics but uh, most of it, most of it is determined by your environment. You know the environment you're placed in, and uh, what kind of you know activities you do on a daily basis. But uh, in other species, uh, mortality rate doesn't. If if a, if a species mortality rate doesn't increase after their maturity, uh, then it won't age and is thus considered biologically immortal. Uh, the word immortal, immortal describes cells that aren't subject to the Hayflick limit which is the point where cells can't divide anymore because of DNA damage or shortened telomeres. And uh, there are different species already living who kind of exhibit this uh, immortality aspect, and specifically this species of hydrozoan called Turritopsis dorni, or they're also called the immortal jellyfish. And basically they can revert from an adult stage back into an immature polyp stage and back again several times. Uh, which suggests, which you know, suggests that uh, there isn't a natural limit to their lifespan, and they can kind of repeat it several times. There are also some other skin and uh, larva beetles can also go back into their earlier stages of maturity if they're put under these starvation conditions. And other species like bacteria and uh, such, they can also be revived after thousands of years of hibernation. For instance, in the ice of glaciers, there's like some stored bacteria and some other species that are simply being stuck there frozen and they've been hibernating for thousands of years and you know as those ice they begin to melt then potentially those those species some of those species will be revived as well 
but uh, you know there's a difference between aging and immortality both of them are relevant for determining your uh, lifespan but it's kind of cool to see that you know there is certain conditions that at least if not if not slow down aging then they will at least uh, you know promote your longer health span so uh, although we could say that the immortal jellyfish is is like a good good uh, mascot for for the metabolic autophagy program we still necessarily don't have to become like jellyfishes or to revert back to into this single cell organism type of living we're still kind of trying to breach the chasm of living in a modern world and and trying to see how can we of you know yeah, the anxiety is that how can we incorporate these principles of stress adaptation and and caloric restriction in a modern context but in humans uh, the aging process has also been quite well documented you know the, there are several factors that contribute to aging uh, but um, m the most important ones have been laid out by this researcher Lopez Lopez Otin in 2013 he published with his other colleagues this review of the hallmarks of aging in different species including mammals and uh, they are genomic instability, which is basically genetic damage and mutations throughout life, telomere attrition, shortening of protective telomere caps on top of chromosomes that occurs during DNA repair, epigenetic alterations, alterations in methylation patterns, post-translational modifications of histones, and chromatin remodeling, loss of proteostasis, dysfunctional protein folding, proteolysis, and proteotoxicity, which is basically not being able to put muscle back together correctly, deregulated nutrient sensing, inadequate growth hormone production related to the insulin IGF-1 signaling pathway, mitochondrial dysfunction, old worn-out mitochondria begin to produce more reactive oxygen species and oxidative stress, which damages all other cells, cellular senescence, the accumulation of dead cells and cancer proliferation, stem cell exhaustion, decline in regenerative potential of tissues and lack of swapping old cells with new cells, altered intercellular communication, miscommunication in endocrine, neuroendocrine or neuronal systems that cause inflammation and other problems. There are many things that determine the lifespan of an organism such as you know genetics, phylogeny, mutations and life history but again the biggest role has to do with the ecological niche or you know what kind of an environment both internal and external the animal is living in and uh, how it's going to respond to it basically the free radical theory of aging states that organisms die because of the accumulation of free radical damage on the cells over time and especially the mitochondria because the mitochondria are the power plant power plants of the cells uh, that are responsible for producing energy and generating ATP or adenosine triphosphate so ATP is the energetic currency needed for life and it carries out a lot of you know basically everything included in your daily daily activities and metabolic processes so it's quite quite important so the the classical free radical theory of aging proposes that energy generation by the mitochondria damages mitochondrial macromolecules including mitochondrial DNA or mtDNA which uh, then promotes aging after a certain threshold this is going to produce too many reactive oxygen species or ROS which will cause cell death and uh, degradation the mitochondrial theory of aging was introduced in 1980 which implicate the mitochondria as the main targets of ROS damage so uh, if you're kind of producing too much 
reactive oxygen species from energy production or from like too much inflammation and too much stress, then that's going to increase oxidative damage, oxidative damage on mitochondria and other healthy cells, which will basically accelerate aging. So it's like a vicious feedback loop of poorly functioning mitochondria causing more reactive oxygen species. And uh, that's going to in turn cause more damage to the mitochondria and uh, make them more dysfunctional or make more of the mitochondria dysfunctional. And that's going to like a ripple effect of more and more bad stuff happening, which will accelerate aging. So like the key is to prevent that from happening and uh, to not overly do with uh, the stress because some, some of the stress is still beneficial. Uh, for instance, you know, exercise also creates reactive oxygen species and it does create more oxidative stress on the body, but it's like a hormetic dose. You benefit from it up to a certain threshold. After, after, uh, after some point, you will end up causing more damage than good. So the key is to make sure that you're getting only like a beneficial dose and then keeping your healthy mitochondria functioning well and avoiding uh, the accumulation of dysfunctional mitochondria. Another cool thing about it is that, you know, taking a lot of antioxidants and lowering oxidative stress with supplements has been failed to be effective in fighting disease. And in fact, they, they may find that it can promote the chances of getting sick treatment with high doses of antioxidants like beta carotene, vitamin A, vitamin E uh, may actually increase mortality. And uh, even consuming like more fruit and vegetables doesn't necessarily seem to have a significant effect on reducing cancer risk. So the key is to promote your body's own antioxidant defense system endogenously so you don't necessarily want to be taking a lot of exogenous antioxidants or these other compounds that uh, lower reactive oxygen species you want to have a body that is strong enough to be handled or that is strong enough to handle it and uh, not necessarily have to rely on these external supplements so to say so that's how the hormesis effect works. Hormesis is a dose-specific response to a toxin or a stressor that makes the organism stronger than it was before. The idea is that you experience this small shock or a stressor that the body wants to deal with it better in the future. Therefore, it's going to adapt and uh, become more stronger. These effects can be found in like caloric restriction, intermittent fasting, exercise, dietary phytonutrients, cold, heat hypoxia, everything else. So s small amounts of stress are still quite, quite beneficial. So now let's move on with the longevity pathways in humans, like specifically which ones, which ones we know that affect longevity and uh, how can we use them, so to say. And uh, yeah, in humans, there are several longevity pathways rec recognized to control the aging process and its constituent mechanisms. So uh, I'm first going to outline them here, and then we're going to go through them one by one. So the first is the growth hormone insulin and insulin-like growth factor 1 signaling pathway, which is going to regulate cell replication, nutrient storage, and uh, nutrient partitioning. Secondly, the FOXO-sirtuin pathway, which includes proteins and transcription factors responsible for energy homeostasis. And uh, the, the foxoproteins and sirtuins, they manage homeostasis under harsh conditions and stress. They help the body to adapt to the stress a little bit better. Uh, hormesis and general stress adaptation is also mediated through foxoproteins and uh, mitochondrial functioning. And this phenomenon is going to make you, you know, resilient against environmental stressors. And uh, that's going to in turn help you to live longer. And lastly, the mTOR-AMPK pathway, 
which uh, governs homeostasis between anabolism and catabolism. So it's going to basically di dictate how we're going to use our energy storage. Are we going to grow or are we going to eat ourselves or you know, mobilize our own uh, backup stores? Uh, all of these pathways you know, interact with each other and uh, they're affecting longevity in different ways. These, these are going to be affecting all parts of you know, the aging process, mitochondrial functioning, and therefore you have to kind of think of the second and third and fourth order of consequences and project yourself into the future of how these things can manifest themselves in the uh, upcoming uh, years and months and uh, decades of your life. So now let's uh, go through them one by one. One of the most well-known pathways of longevity is the insulin IGF-1 signaling pathway or IIS. Uh, insulin is the main storage hormone that directs nutrient partitioning and glycogen replenishment. It basically helps to unlock the cells so they could store glucose into liver and muscle glycogen. The counterpart to insulin is glucagon which also gets secreted by the pancreas and uh, the role of glucagon is to actually raise blood sugar by starting to mobilize the uh, glycogen stores in the liver so whenever your blood sugar gets low then glucagon is going to try to raise it with uh, these mobilized uh, glycogen from the liver and whenever your whenever your blood sugar gets too high then the pancreas will gonna release beta cells and then uh, that's going to raise insulin and which will then shuttle that blood glucose into the cells to be stored as either glycogen or stored as body fat. So it's this quite well balanced and really well played out uh, orchestrated system between insulin and glucagon. But moving on with IGF-1, IGF-1's role is to promote tissue growth and development. The effects of IGF-1 are mediated through the IGF-1 receptor IGF-1R, which is similar to the receptor of the storage hormone insulin. IGF-1 gets produced in the liver by the stimulation of human growth hormone, HGH. IGF-1 binding protein, IGF-BP, is a binding protein that carries IGF-1 around the body and it's regulated by insulin. So whenever you do have slightly higher levels of insulin, insulin like growth factor 1, then it's going to be balanced out with, with the help of IGF-BP. So you shouldn't never go into like this really high anabolic mode unless your body is you know under some artificial uh, conditions like taking steroids or taking additional human growth hormone with uh, you know pharmaceuticals and such in in, in, or, in normal humans it's uh, really well kind of balanced out again that uh, it's never going to be reaching supernatural levels reduced insulin signaling has been found to increase the lifespan of many species like fruit flies nematodes and rodents as well and uh, yeah, like those lifespan increases are quite phenomenal, even like up to 20 to 30% of increased lifespan in uh, mice and other, other animals. But one of the w most well-documented species is uh, Cynorhabitis elegans, or these nematode worms, C. elegans, that uh, also show that uh, the, how the insulin IGF-1 signaling pathway affects their lifespan. So these nematodes, they go through several cycles of development during their average three weeks lifespan. And one of them, one of these stages is the dower stage that gets activated during periods of higher environmental stress. Whenever they do get put under environmental stress, whether through caloric restriction or let's say extreme 
cold exposure, then they're going to morphologically specialize themselves into adapting to those conditions. Normally, they would exit this stage uh, of conservation quite fast whenever they get access to nutrients again. But uh, when, when in laboratories, this uh, cycle can be prolonged for quite long. The dower larvae who are put into this dower stage, they can survive up to eight times longer under laboratory conditions, which is quite a huge difference based on a simple, like a prolongation of some certain life stage and environmental input. In these roundworms, it's you know quite easy to do because uh, these they, they don't have like access to their fridge or something, so they, the scientists can really drop their caloric intake very significantly and put them into this huge starvation uh, mode, which will then increase their lifespan. But in humans, it's uh, let's say more more difficult to do and less ethical, more more implications to do so. But it's the key. The point is that you don't necessarily have to be starving. The point is that how can you? mimic the effects of these pathways with the things that we're going to be talking about in the future lectures and uh, intuitive fasting and such. One of these pathways or let's say group of metabolic sensors is uh, are the sirtuins. So there are different types of sirtuins. Sirtuins are a family of proteins that act as metabolic sensors. They're going to basically promote certain energy efficiencies and decide what kind of fuel that you're going to burn and that's going to have like epigenetic changes on the body. Usually when sirtuins get activated, such as the example of SIRT6, then insulin and IGF-1 signaling gets repressed and inflammation gets reduced. There are other sirtuins that promote mitochondrial biogenesis, mitochondrial repair, DNA repair and everything else. So all of them will promote longevity. And one of the best ways of going about it is to induce caloric restriction on, uh, on on the organism and that's going to basically help with uh, you know the activation of other pathways that help the help the body to live longer caloric restriction and energy deprivation are going to lower mTOR signaling which in turn will upregulate the other pathways of energy homeostasis such as AMPK and uh, autophagy autophagy and uh, cellular turnover are essential for some of the life extension effects in uh, fruit flies and other species. So autophagy is going to help to recycle the old worn-out material and uh, that in turn is going to prevent any inflammation that's going to lower oxidative stress and general, generally makes the body more energy efficient. Suppressing autophagy in other species has been also found to negate the longevity benefits of caloric restriction. For instance, if you kind of block genetically modified mice's autophagy genes, then they're not going to live longer under caloric restriction even when put into starvation. Whereas the other mice who have autophagy activated, those mice will live longer. So it's like a really critical point in a sense of uh, you, you aren't guaranteed to experience life extension when put under caloric restriction if you block autophagy, so to say, or if you block sirtuins. And that is also going to tell you that we, you can sidestep some of the negative side effects of uh, too much caloric restriction if you know how to activate autophagy without necessarily having to starve yourself. There's a good example of this in the journal Cell Metabolism and in one of the 2017 study they showed that aging and age-related diseases are associated with a decrease in the cell's ability to process energy efficiently. And the scientists they use nematode worms again who 
they're going to live only for two weeks and they need some experience on their mitochondria. They found that restricting the worm's calories and manipulating AMPK promoted longevity by maintaining mitochondrial networks and increasing fatty acid oxidation. This happened in communication with other organelles called peroxisomes that regulate fat metabolism. So basically, more fatty acid oxidation from their own energy stores led the nematode worms to live longer because they were put under calorie restriction and that forced the that forced the worms to mobilize a lot of their own fat stores and also re researchers proposed that the fission fusion cycle amongst the mitochondria's network and fatty acid oxidation they are required for the longevity benefits of caloric restriction Again, it goes back to energy efficiency and uh, cellular turnover, recycling those bad, bad cells and bad, bad, bad mitochondria. The life cycles of mitochondria are characterized by fission and fusion events. Fusion states happen when several mitochondria mix and organize themselves into a network. They're going to basically merge together into a single, much larger mitochondrion. Fission states happen when the fused mitochondria get split into two out of which the one with a higher membrane potential will return to the fission-fusion cycle and the one with a more depolarized membrane will stay solitary until its membrane potential recovers. If its membrane potential remains depolarized, it will lose its ability to fuse and eventually will be eliminated by mitophagy. Mitophagy is the uh, mitochondrial autophagy process that is helping to recycle those uh, dysfunctional mitochondria. The mitochondrial fission-fusion cycles are also dependent on autophagy modulating pathways such as AMPK and mTOR. We're going to be knowing these pathways, AMPK, mTOR and autophagy, very well throughout this entire video course. But I'm going to basically give you like a short overview uh, here as well. mTOR or mammalian target of rapamycin is responsible for cell growth, protein synthesis and anabolism. It's going to make the body build new tissue. AMPK or AMP activated protein kinase is a fuel sensor that's involved in balancing energy deprived states. Autophagy is the process of self-eating and cellular turnover in which the body recycles its old worn out components back into energy. mTOR is going to inhibit autophagy because it makes your body grow which requires expending energy and upregulating the metabolism whereas AMPK supports autophagy due to the energy deprived state. Nutrient starvation is going to allow unneeded proteins to be broken down and recycled into amino acids that are essential for survival. That's going to keep the organism live longer because of increased mitochondrial efficiency. Therefore the key to longevity and increased lifespan still gets traced back to decreased energy intake and improved energy usage within the body itself. There is some evidence to show how excessive mTOR and insulin signaling are related to accelerated aging and also disease, but it's not going to be that black and white. In some situations, they can actually be beneficial and even pro-longevity. The same applies to caloric restriction and intermittent fasting. One of the core principles of this entire program is that you want to use these anabolic hormones only at the right time under the right circumstances. That's why it's called metabolic autophagy. But uh, let's carry on with some of the more of these pathways of longevity. Stress adaptation is uh, really critical in terms of making the body more resilient against uh, all damage as well as kind of building up the immune system. 
The adaptation to stress and harsh conditions is mediated through certain transcription factors that regulate energy homeostasis and longevity. They're called foxoproteins. Fox stands for forkhead box and it represents a class of proteins and transcription factors that have many functions in the body. They're basically regulating longevity through the insulin and IGF-1 pathway. There are also different types of foxoproteins, foxo1, foxo3, foxo5, so on, and they affect the body in different ways. Some of them promote mitochondrial biogenesis, some of them reduce uh, inflammation, and some of them simply inhibit apoptosis. The general trend of increasing FOXO is again energy deprivation and stress adaptation, which is going to make you more resilient and longer lived. The cells themselves react to this by looking at the functioning of telomeres. Telomeres are nucleotide sequences at the ends of each chromosome that function like these protective caps against deterioration. Some researchers got the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery of how chromosomes are protected by telomeres and the enzyme telomerase. Telomere shortening prevents cells from replicating themselves by limiting the number of cell divisions. Shortened telomeres also weaken the immune system and increase the risk of cancer. Many age-related diseases are linked to shortened telomeres. Longer telomeres, again, are linked to longer lifespans, more so than shorter telomeres. But too long telomeres are also not ideal because that, that again, can accelerate aging. Telomere length can be replenished by an enzyme called telomerase reverse transcriptase, or TERT. TERT is a subunit of telomerase, which is going to add more sequences to the ends of chromosomes. So the key is to avoid activities that shorten telomeres, like oxidative stress, inflammation, stress, not sleeping enough, and uh, other potential you know, DNA damage-related things. From an evolutionary perspective, then all of these pathways evolved the way they did as to promote the survival of the organism under harsh conditions. And uh, it all kind of gets traced back to this idea of being able to recycle or being able to be very energy efficient with uh, your body's own backup stores, being able to recycle all the fuel that you do use, as well as not, not causing excessive amounts of damage to the body. So uh, that's why like the pathway of autophagy is really one of the most critical components to uh, longevity. So that's why we'll be kind of going through this entire course. So in conclusion, what is the code of longevity? It will have to be kind of traced back to living a hormetic lifestyle that incorporates hormetic habits, such as exercise, sun exposure, intermittent fasting, some polyphenols, getting enough sleep, cold exposure, heat exposure, and, uh, and things like that, that is going to basically <laughs> augment your entire body against all kind of physical stressors. And uh, stress management is another critical component. You have to be able to tolerate stressors both physically as well as mentally because mental stress can really be a backburner or it can mental stress can be really one of those things that people don't pay attention to but at the same time it has a huge huge effect on their longevity and that's why like meditation getting enough sleep as well as taking some time off those are still critical for longevity so that's going to be the overview of the code of longevity lecture one and in the next lecture we're going to be talking about more in-depth about uh, more intermittent fasting and caloric restriction so let's get to it all right that's it for this video i hope you got some valuable information from it and as a final note 
the Metabolic Autophagy Masterclass, the link is in the description. It includes over 12 hours of content, 35 plus video lectures, the Metabolic Autophagy ebook, Metabolic Autophagy cookbook, 70 plus recipes for mTOR autophagy, and a bunch of other cool biohacks. So check it out. But other than that, thanks for watching this video. Make sure you click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem. Stay optimized, stay empowered.